This is episode one of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. And if you're listening, thank you. You found us. New. We're doing podcasting because it's 1989 and we finally found our computers. Uh, my name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. We do a radio show for the Montana Radio Company. If you listen to the trailer, this is all review. And this is episode one. We're yeah. going to be uh, telling you a little bit about what we're going to do into the future of the podcast. And we've got a great interview coming up later in this very podcast. <laughs> well... We're gonna we're gonna turn John McClellan loose. That'll make more sense in a few minutes. Uh, we're hoping to have a bunch of conversations with people from around the state of Montana. Uh, thanks to Kevin Costner and uh, Yellowstone. Are and, they coming on? And uh, no, but oh. it seems like uh, a lot of people talk about Montana. A lot of them are not from Montana. Um, if you read an article in the I don't know Washington Post about the governor of Montana shooting a mountain lion. That's not the same conversation that's happening in Montana about the governor shooting a mountain lion. And if you um, think that's an awesome thing, hey, you can just join the caravan of people who are coming here anyway. I was going to say, if you think that's an awesome thing, chances are you're already here. Right. Uh, if you're disgusted, you probably live on the coast and only fly over. I think this um, podcast is for people who have lived here their whole lives. And also, it's kind of a, a, a guideline for people who haven't on what you should be doing in the state of Montana. The things that should interest you, the things that you should... You should know and be talking about if you live here. And what life is really like. If you're curious uh, about the lifestyle here, it is a strange place, man. I've lived all over the country in my lifetime, and there's nothing like this joint. Um, there's a reason that we choose to call it home, and uh, hopefully we can find some people to tell you some stories and have some cool conversations with, I mean, just some of the folks that we've got lined up to start this thing, uh, including today. And again, I, I feel like I'm just a, a lion tamer with a chair pointed at John <laughs> keep him back for a few more minutes it's not about um, john letting john go it's about reining john in a yeah, little bit i was gonna say you gotta let the marlin have a little line not too much right um and so that is coming up as well we hope to have this thing available everywhere that you get podcasts all of the all of the places so please if you're just discovering this and we're i don't know 10 episodes in first of all kudos to us for doing this 10 times in a row the way we were supposed to and second of all rate review uh, the podcast, if you like it, please rate and review it. If you don't like it, lie and rate it highly and say that you like it. At least for a um, while. You can critique us later on, but let's get it on the map. Right. So, um, yeah, anyway, we're going to we're gonna have this thing up. Uh, you can always reach out, and uh, you can find me, Michael, at MontanaRadio.com, Scott, at MontanaRadio.com. If you'd like to email us, if you can't find the podcast, where you find your podcast, where are you doing the thing? Because I feel like we covered most of the bases, uh, the ones I've heard of anyway. But uh, new social well, platforms let us know. are popping let up us know. all the time. Yeah, Thank you again uh, for checking this out. Please subscribe. We'll be doing these every single week-ish. Yeah, and I think the, um, uh, the you know, what what specifically are we going to be talking about? Uh, we're going to be talking about um, outdoor stuff, hunting, fishing. We're going to be talking about music, as we're going to do with John McClellan. Yeah. And the in, kind of some insider information and some in-depth stuff with these incredible, really cool, and much more interesting people in the state than we are. We're going to be talking to a lot of them. Uh, at any rate, without further ado, I, I, I hesitate to do this, but, uh, well, here we go. This is episode one of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. We're, we're going to get to connect with all kinds of people from around Montana and, uh, and uh, folks with 
uh, interesting stories and interesting perspectives. And when you can't find that, you go get John McClellan. Um, God bless for the, you for the very first one. I was just walking by outside. I yeah, right. just literally grabbed him. <laughs> That's so funny because obviously I've known you two for years now, and I appreciate the friendship that the three of us have built. But I did not know until literally you were doing that intro that your podcast is called Big Sky Bonehead. Nobody does. It's brand new. I this am, is the first one. So, but of course you just texted, "Hey, you want to come in and, and do some recording?" Yes, right. I do. But never once you just for the Big Sky Bonehead. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to say that because uh, I love it, dude. Because I love it. I, I, I haven't been able to say it with a straight face yet. So uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Turns out. All the really cool names for anything Montana related are already copyrighted. That would make Ted Turner sense. owns eighty percent of it. Uh, do you blame him? <laughs> no, he owns eighty percent of everything. Media geniuses, because the rest of us who are just chuckleheads go, "Hey, man, we should start a podcast on beer." Eighty million podcasts on beer. We, <laughs> we should start to send a him eight dollars on- for Big Sky Boneheads. That's what we had to do just to get it. <laughs> well, yeah, and that and that is uh, the other thing is that you know we're bravely going forward into the podcast space in the year twenty twenty two. By the time this gets downloaded. I'm sure they'll be on a different platform. <laughs> they'll move down. We're catching up with 1998. Wouldn't, wouldn't doubt it. But, of course, the way that the media is today in February of 2022, uh, we have to watch what we say because in March of 2037, somebody will say, <laughs> 15 years ago you said right. this and we're going to cancel you. cool part is we're kind of all old enough and – yeah, who yeah. cares? You know, like cancel me. I'll be in my garden if you need me. Yeah, what are you going to erase all of my runaway successes and millions of dollars? <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, take it. People are more surprised at things I didn't say. Good luck getting. <laughs> they my- just automatically assume I've said some horrible things. Well, why wouldn't they? Yeah, because yeah, you got to pick a side and fight, man. Yep. Now, now for people that uh, don't know, and if you don't know now, you know uh, John McClellan. Uh, Musician, how many years you've been oh, playing around Lord Montana? Have mercy. So I how many? started in a band in 1997. Was my first paid gig, April of 97. Okay. The Silver Dollar Bar in Cody, Wyoming. Still remember. And uh, actually, it was the first time I, I played with a band. I, they didn't pay me for that gig. My first gig. Was how do you that, get a gig with a band that, or, that they didn't pay you for? Uh, well, were you just carrying? Stuff? I actually just I, I stepped up. So all right. You, do we do we tell? I was born in a small town. Yeah, like I, I feel sure, like it's sure. going to be a boring thing. Uh, so I was raised in Casper, Wyoming. Graduated high school in '95, May of '95, and in June of '95, I bought my first guitar for 300 bucks, a Korean-made Washburn acoustic guitar from Casper Music. Shout out. Um, yeah, and so and I still have that guitar. It's still my campfire guitar, and it hurts to play. It's such a cheaply made crap guitar, and I love it. Um, and then I went to a junior college that fall. And I ended up staying at that junior college for three years because my guitar teacher. I went with two goals: learn Spanish and learn guitar. No joke. So yo puedo hablar en español. Which and, college? Quickly. Uh, Northwest Junior College. So Northwest ah! College in Powell, Wyoming. Go Trappers! I went for a half a semester and then <laughs> yeah, but I got driven out of town by the law. But, and I'm not kidding you. Uh, I want to hear that story. <laughs> I really want to hear that story. Did you major in mariachi like he did? Apparently, you know, Just guitar in Spanish. I had no desire whatsoever to grow up. I just knew that I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to play guitar because I had this daydream that I would go to Spain mm. in three or four years. Like, when I'm 22, I'll go to Spain and I'll just watch a bunch of flamenco and that'd be something cool to do for a while. And then I might go live in the Alps and ski. And You know, you're just you're, you're 18, you're from Wyoming, you think the world is big. <laughs> and you were apparently high. Oh, dude. I went to, I got, a, I got sober arrested. Sober as a judge. That's what's crazy. Sober I, as a judge. I got Didn't arrested twice in Powell for open container within yes. a matter of weeks of each other and there was a suspended <laughs> sentence involved oh, no. and i told my dad about it which was hard enough and then uh my dad said well you need to go to court and let me know what they say and i so i i went down and i went to court and the judge told me your suspended sentence is no longer suspended you need to report to jail 
And I said, where's the jail? And he said, it's across the street. And I was like, oh, no, I got to call my dad. So I went back to my dorm room. Instead of going across the street immediately, I called my father. And my dad says, well, looks like you're coming home. And I literally threw everything in the truck, fully paranoid that the Wyoming police and Sheridan police would be, or I mean, a, Powell. a Powell police would yeah. be after me. And I took off towards the border. Wow. <laughs> That's a true story. And uh, went home after half a semester as a trapper. So has wow. anyone who's attended this school ever actually lived their dream? You've never been to Spain. I mean, he avoided prison time, but well, it's okay that dreams change, you know, because it was it wasn't like a hardcore dream. It was just something cool that I thought I would do. And then I went to a bunch of classes that I thought, you know, I took an equestrian class. It'd be cool to learn about. Oh, dude. You know, and, and admittedly, I took a bunch of music classes because I I sang my whole life. I played piano, um, and so I knew I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Had a great guitar teacher, but the first day of oral theory, not oral theory, that's a different class altogether. Different, but different oral class, yeah, yeah. Oral I know theory. some people that minored in that one. Yeah, and God bless them. God bless them all <laughs> to make the world a better place. But back to the oral part with your ears, um, dude. Within one day, I was like, I'm bored to tears, and I don't want to say I just could hear music. I've always been able to hear the math of music. And I realized I don't want to get a degree in music. I just want to learn how to play guitar. Now, it would have been fine to get a degree in music, but I was 18. So I literally that day went back to the registrar's office and dropped all those classes and got new classes. And I think I took a weightlifting class and, you know, but I did. I took Spanish super seriously and I took guitar super seriously. And my guitar teacher to this day is one of my dearest friends, Todd Rosenberger. Shout out to the Manhattan High School here in Manhattan, Montana. Uh, their high school music director is uh, was my teacher at the time. And so mm -hmm. Todd, after a year and a half, went to a choir concert. And so the whole reason I went to Powell is they offered me money to sing. Fa la 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 la. We'll give you scholarship right. money to sing in our choirs. So I did their jazz choir, their magical choir, their classical choir. You know, but I like singing. And uh, to this day, it's still my drug. So that was never difficult to really enjoy. But the only reason going off on this long diatribe is Todd had never heard me sing. So here's Todd Rosenberger. He sets up sound equipment for a choir concert. I get up, la, la, la. And he's like, dude, you can sing. Yeah. You want a job in a band? It's like, yeah, man. What do I have to do? <laughs> like, I had no idea what it was to be in a band. I had no clue. And I'd had a couple band experiences in high school where I sang one song in a talent show. Mm -hmm. Like I sang Hotel California with a you know bunch of buddies. Those same buddies for homecoming our senior year. Uh, we played eight Creedence Clearwater Revival songs, and we called ourselves The Revival. And, dude, John Fogarty is an alto. He sings so high. And you can hear by my, hi, boys. How's it going? John McClellan here. <laughs> so, anyways, that was a real fun experience. But I still didn't, like, I just showed up and sang. They set up all the equipment. They tore down. I was just literally the flaky lead singer. I know you guys are shocked. But, hey, what do you do? So, uh, short and sweet of it is Todd offers me a job, says, this is how you haul in gear. This is how you plug it in. This is how you hold a microphone. This is... You know, oh, you're feeling sick. This is what blackberry brandy is. You know, oh boy, it's hot. <laughs> yep, this is what cold Coors Light is. You know, it was like, welcome to the the real world. And so I joke that I never went to London to be a Rhodes Scholar. I was a Road Scholar. <laughs> yeah, I'm a funny, funny comedian. So, anyways, yeah, that was my my uh, education. So even though I was going to school, I stayed a third year at a two year college because I was playing every Friday and Saturday. And I joke that it was tired songs to tired people and tired bars. You know, played a lot of sleepy '70s and '80s country 
a lot of sleepy country. I could have slid you some tuition money for that because I paid for a full tuition, a full semester, and only I made it a half. <laughs> wish I'd have known you got on that uh, Scott Hershey credit program. You could have driven the getaway car. The only thing I took seriously there was Gramps and Hansel and Gretel's uh, and Quarter Night. That's the only thing. Those were the Good two bars Hansel that everybody went to. Yeah. Well, dude, it kills me because even at 19, the University of Wyoming Cowboys. So I was raised in Wyoming. I told you guys I was a huge Cowboys fan, even though I never went to Laramie. That season, they went 10 and they 10 and 1 10 wins one loss and they did not go to a bowl because it was Wyoming and Wyoming's not going to have a television draw so literally me and three other buddies only one of them's 21 we get in a car we get i don't know a couple six pack and a bottle of boons for the two girls with us so it's me and a buddy and two girls and we drive out to some irrigation ditch. And who pulls up but Mr. Sheriff? So here I am. It's good. Oh, man, I'm 19. And I've heard the stories of MIP. And I'm like, oh, I'm nailed. MIP. And the 21-year-old, I'll call him out by name, Eric Kolar. We're past the statute of limitations here. Uh, <laughs> Kolar, you are a terrible human being, even though I love you. Um, Kolar gets in the rig, and so do the ladies. And so the sheriff comes up to me, just assuming I'm the 21-year-old. He goes, drinking, huh? I'm like, yep. Underage. Absolutely. and then he just goes let me see what you got so i open up the trunk and there's literally two six pack and a bottle of boons and the sheriff laughs he's like this is it i'm like dude (laughs) that's not real the cowboys lost we literally wanted to have a couple drinks we're college students we can't drink on campus without getting harassed so like literally we're just bummed you know and he's like dump it out and get out of here you're wasting my time so dude i did not get nailed with an mip i did not i didn't run into that same cop i can tell you that right now that's not the guy i saw that's funny because i don't know if i've ever told my parents this story and i'm going to make sure that they listen to this podcast at least i'll tell them that hey i told a lot of stories of my youth and all the tomfoolery i got away with we'll know where that one download comes from like ah john's mom it it might be my dad that figures it out my mom will just be like ah honey where do you go now on this computer here doohickey so, Actually, she's pretty good. How many bands do you do you like? If you were to make a resume, right? Oh, You're yeah. like, I've been in these this many bands. Okay, let's start. How with many is it? The Revival, and then we can call ourselves maybe the Hotel, but it was the same dude. So I'll just say the Revival. But I, I sat, no, we need to know the name changes. That's yeah, even better. The first is so like the it's like a so, pro wrestling career. Yeah, Blackwater Bland, <laughs> band shout out. They're still playing in one form or another down in Northern Wyoming, Southern Montana. So Blackwater. And then I played with this sublime punk cover band for like a set. But they Sublime is now a sublime punk cover band. <laughs> yeah. The actual sublime. That's so funny. They cover their own songs now. That's so funny. Well, it was a bunch of nineteen year olds that they were really, really into punk and ska. And I wanted to play like Dave Matthews music. I just wasn't good enough. But I was getting better. I was working so hard. I mean, I have the obsessive gene, as you guys know. So I was literally playing when I woke up, I'd start playing guitar, I go to breakfast, go to classes, get my homework done, play guitar. So I was playing three to four hours a day, but I didn't realize that that's what successful people on guitar do. They play Mm -hmm. all the time. And then, uh, yeah, so after that Sublime cover band, Blackwater morphed into Bud Harley and the Dumpster Chickens. (laughs) Yep, Bud was their favorite beer. Harley was their favorite bike. You can sell those t-shirts still today. Oh, dude, and a Dumpster Chicken is a crow. So like, we actually did have a little tiny logo of a crow smoking a cigarette. There you go. Hanging out in a dumpster. (laughs) And then... uh, Moved to Bozeman and started the Clintons. And so the Clintons was a, a group of college buddies from MSU. So transferred to MSU after my third year of super, you know, my super sophomore year, I go to, to MSU. And uh, it was a year into that. Like I was playing solo gigs at the Hofbrau Bar, if anybody knows the Hofbrau. Um, and I would play, I think I played one gig at the filling station. Might have played a couple other places around town. And then I got a thursday night gig every thursday at the bay barn grill no joke 
And here's the thing. It was instantly popular because by then I could play. I was 21. I could play Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews was popular, so John McClellan became popular. It wasn't because what I was writing was popular or I was popular. It was because Dave was popular. But I could cover the crap out of Dave. And so I literally would play to 300 drunk college kids crawling all over each other. And that's where I learned the world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll was from that era of my life. God bless all of you beautiful college women from Bozeman. And uh, yeah, when the Clintons got going, I was way more focused into doing the rock and roll other than any of the other distractions. So I really took the songwriting seriously, had no idea how to make records, was asking questions. Back in my day, kids, you had to go to this store called Barnes and Noble and buy books on songwriting. I mean, there was no YouTube, you know, and, and all of the musicians I hung out with, nobody wrote songs. Everybody was a cover band. Everybody. And it's not that I, I don't care if people want to play covers, if people want to play originals, instrumental, jazz, country, it doesn't matter. Music's music. But I had I had voices in my head, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I know you guys know me well enough to know the creative artistic side of my brain, but I I needed an outlet for those melodies. They were driving me crazy. And now I see it as oh wow, there are just some creative people that have to create. Like you see the sculptors that have to sculpt and the painters that have to paint and the builders that have to build. The woodworkers that have to build a bench. And you're like, you built another bench. Yep, build another one. Like, You just have to create. And so I've always had to write songs and write stories. I've always had melodies in my head. Always. So anyways, we made a couple records and now here I am. Why, why later, is it talk called the Clintons? What, where'd you come up with the Clintons? Man? Yeah, that's a great None question. None of you were named Clinton. I wish so badly that we'd have named our band anything else. Yeah, so, I'll bet. Yeah, at the very end of Bill Clinton's tenure there, um, we were all like, uh, so Clinton was the invisible dog that you blamed everything on. So like, Scott, you drank all my beer. Oh, no, it was Clinton. Dude, you smell like beer. Dude, I swear it was Clinton. And it was this stupid college joke. Hey, man, did you see Jenny's pregnant? Yeah, Clinton knocked her up. It was like, <laughs> but it was this stupid joke. It was a dumb, like, it was a dumb joke. Like, Clinton was the reason, like, yeah, economy's, economy's cra- just crashing. Oh, yeah, Clinton. It's all this, you know, but it wasn't the president. It was this invisible dog. So we called ourselves Clinton's Band. You know, for our very first gig, uh, our very first gig as the Clintons was at this the SAE frat house for homecoming. God, what would that have been? 1999, October of 99, September 99, something like that. And so uh, we literally, like these guys, they, what's your band name? So we said, the Clintons. Okay. And so they made us this big bed sheet with a big cigar because the Bill Clinton cigar fiasco. Right. And, uh. Yeah. And you sick now all these years later for that poor girl that got trapped up in that. But here's the thing. We still have pictures of the Clintons hanging out in pajamas at the Pajama Jam homecoming SAE frat party where, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And what did we do? Played 15 Dave Matthews songs and tore down the house with what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> like, But by then, I think I had five or six originals. And, uh, you know, they were danceable. Like Little Miss Perfect was one of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of that we still play to this day. And so this invisible dog has now lived on in legend because of this silly little Montana rock band. Makes you tough to, to Google, though, because you always come up with oh, God. Bill and Hillary. And that's just that. People want to talk politics. And when all you want to do is talk music, it's like I don't define myself by who it's the exact I do or don't conversation. Yeah, and anybody who's known me for like five seconds is like, we can't, we can't get you to take a side and fight because I don't define myself by who I vote for. I define myself by how hard I work and what I do and how much love I give and how much love I receive. And I pretty much... 
omitted the friends in my life that define themselves by political ideologies as opposed to their actual behaviors. That's pretty tough anymore. You end up with nobody. Yeah. Because because everybody's picking a team. Yeah. Nobody wants to do the work. Everybody would rather watch the television and then argue about what the television tells us to argue about. Whereas when you're actually trying (laughs) to write songs, yeah, when you're trying to build a business, when you're trying to do woodwork, when you're trying to write a song, like it's just you don't have time to worry about, hey, did you see this, that, and the other on the TV? No, I haven't been on Facebook for years and I should be. But I'm not because I'm too busy. But I'm interested in other things. I mean, you guys know the gardening side of me, the orcharding side of me. It's like, I've, that's that stuff word? takes time. Orcharding? We, we can get to that. Orcharding. Is I that use it? it a lot. If it's not, I've invented it. You can claim okay. it here. The Big Sky Boneheads podcast, John right. McClellan, word inventor. I've of the- never orcharded myself. I didn't. <laughs> that's a lie. That's a weird um, sentence. <laughs> that's funny. Now, um, is that, that brings up an interesting thing because, I mean, you played in bands and you're doing, I, I don't want to say it's solo work. Because yeah. you work in a combination, a, a number of different combinations currently. Yes, because at the time I was playing solo gigs on Tuesdays in Helena. Right. Wednesdays in a duo, you know, The Wench, which right. became El Wencho, which is my current project. So, But that was every Tuesday, Wednesday. And then the Clintons would go on the road on Friday, Saturday. Well, then in about 02, we bought an RV, maybe 01. Oh, man, if I'm, if I'm messing this time frame up, forgive my foggy brain. <laughs> But we actually went on the road. We'd go out for two or three week tours where you'd play on a Monday night in Bingen, Washington. It's a real place, or Bingen. I don't actually even know how to pronounce it. And we played a gig to four people, the bartender and three patrons, and uh, stayed the night in an old abandoned school that they've converted into a little bed and breakfast. And you know, like, I mean, dude, I've got the stories of living on the road and going for it. And that was before MySpace, before Facebook. So we we tried. We went for it. And we would have a gig in Seattle. You played in Seattle over the weekend. Yeah, the 15 drunks and three Montanans who knew who we were because they moved here a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, right. And so our gigs in Seattle and Portland and even Sacramento, like especially the Northwest, I would say as far south as the Frisco area, were always packed with Montanans. Like the Californians never cared about us. The Oregonians never cared about us. The Washingtonians, whatever they would be called. You know, like, and that's okay. But at the time, you just, you're playing because that's what you do and it's who you are. And but the whole time, guys, I would be on the road reading Organic Gardening Magazine. I mean, I literally, I, I remember 04, 05. And not for the reasons you might think. Yeah, well, because I wanted to grow food. <laughs> so funny. Um, that is Most good. bands aren't yeah, growing that's food true. if they're right. organic gardening. I wasn't a weed guy, yeah. yeah. Um, I need to grow Doritos. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, I always joke that I was a salsa gardener. Like, I would grow tomatoes, onions, all that kind of stuff and make salsa. And I got pretty good at it. But uh, going back to it, I dreamed about being a farmer even though I was playing music. And now I can look back with clear, total clarity. I am not a gypsy. Music makes you a gypsy. You know, you have to tour, 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 play a new town, a new hotel, a new bed, a new couch, a new a new girl, whatever. Uh, but I always wanted my girl, my coffee pot, my bed, my pillow, my dirt. And so now that I'm here and I realize, wow, I wake up every day really happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's because this is actually who I am. I'm a, I'm a farmer, baby. You know, and I joke about that, but the truth is, spiritually speaking, I am not a gypsy. I am a farmer, spiritually. And so now I'm trying to literally get into farming. And we'll talk about that, too. It's not that unheard of for band guys to do that. That That's actually something that uh, we were talking about, James yeah. Heffield from yeah, yeah. Metallica. Uh, Joe Cocker did it. Uh, guys who were on the road a lot. You're like 30 to- years earlier than they are, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, normally, they've got the, the gray ponytail and a braid. <laughs> yeah. You know, by yeah. then. And I wonder if uh, the Clintons would have had more, quote-unquote, commercial success. Because I want to say in 05, 
0405, we started talking with this this dude in Denver who turned out to be a total charlatan. But it was a great wake up call to the industry. You know, I'll manage you, I'll get you on a record label. And we did talk at like 03 with another guy who would have gotten us on a label and he was going to manage us and get us on the road full speed. But we were just living off of reputation, hard work, and old school grit. You know, sending bars, promos, and like, you're a music venue and we're a band and we'd love to play your place. And, you know, like, and we'll work with you over the years to build your business. And, you know, so we were doing it the way, like, we had heard how Fish did it and Leftover Salmon did it and a lot of the the jam bands of that time. And even though the Clintons jammed, we weren't a jam band. Um, we were a pop band. And I'm very proud of the work that we did. But, again, looking back now, it's crystal clear. Oh, yeah. we. I'm, I'm really glad that I went for it in my 20s, guys, because I'm not sitting here talking to you guys as a 44-year-old man. Boys, I could still make it. I could still go for it. It's like, no, dude, I tried. <laughs> it didn't work out. But it, it worked out beyond my dreams because – now I get to play music to who I want to, when I want to, where I want to. Like, dude, I bet you about one or two gigs a year, I think, oh, I did. I do not want to do this. Like, two out of 80 gigs a year, you know. Is that what you're playing? Yeah, between 70 and 90 gigs a year now. Weekends only. Now, is that exclusive to Montana, or are you, you um, branched out regionally? Of the 80 gigs, 75 of them are in Montana. Like, okay. I literally, so Friday played in Tacoma, Saturday was in... Oh, man, wherever the Bertelsen Winery is, and I should know whatever town that is. I swear the town starts with a B as well. But anyway, so North Seattle. And I'm sure anybody listening to this from North Seattle will be like, dude, Linwood. I can't remember the name of the darn town. But anyway, shout out to Jed Johnson and Jason and all the crew up there. Um, yeah, but that's I, – I still – it's to people that we know and love. And again, I'd rather play your guys' winery than – Oh, you guys are in the industry, and we'll just, you know, like, sure, we all love music, and that's been the, the core of our connection, but it's humor that's kept us going, the three mm-hmm. of us building what we have. So, all that said, uh, St. Patrick's Day, we're going to Minneapolis, and then I think we're going back out to Wisconsin once this summer, and I love my friends in Minnesota and Wisconsin, love them so much, but I, I'm i a terrible gypsy. You're like, <laughs> dude, I have a wife, I have kids, I want to be home, man. <laughs> like, Right. So, yeah, 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 Um, and I don't mean to sound like a whiner, so I'm really blessed that I get to go to where I want to go and then go home to a home I want to go home to. And that's a blessed thing because the older you get, we have a lot of friends that don't have a job they want to go to. They don't have a home they want to go home to. So it's like, I'm killing it, boys. That's right. Keep, keeping this train on the tracks, man. Keeping this train on the tracks. Go ahead. Now, you mentioned the politics thing earlier. And, sure. and you know, like I, I dabbled in being in bands on like a JV level compared to what you're talking about. But when you went to shows, and back in my 20s, I was just going to concerts all the time. Yeah. It was an escape. It was yeah. a chance to get away from whatever was going on. You're going to forget about it. Dude, live music's Cr- Crank the best. it to 11. Yeah. Go bonkers. You know, is that still true? Are people still going? Because, you know, you're on stage. You have a microphone. I make a living talking. You know, and I'm always yeah. cognizant of the current environment where it takes one. Li- we got called Stalinists for a joke that we made about I don't even remember what. Nailed that one. And I'm sure the person who told you that has no idea that 40 million Russians died. But anyways, what are we talking? Like Stalinist. That's a at the time he was wearing a black rifle. Coffee, coffee Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the most sure. liberty-minded company you've ever heard like of. Like my right? dad's a charter-founding oh, well. member of the NRA. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Somebody we, ought to tell him I'm a Stalinist now. But it just occurs to me that people hear what they want to hear. Sure. And especially for someone like you who is incapable of shutting up. Yeah. I've got to believe. Bless I you. mean, there's, there's some of that. I mean, does that work its way in there? Or are people still there to escape and listen to some music and have a good time? And oh, can yeah. they put it in park? Yes, because there's for the sake of a show. There's something different about music, and not just that. Uh, I'm in a really, really cush position in my life because you don't 
see El Wencho without paying five to twenty dollars at the door, depending on the venue. Right. And so no one just pays ten bucks at the door. Hey, we'll see what's up tonight. Like, screw this. I'm going to Haps for fifty cent PBR or whatever. But anybody is, yeah, ten bucks. This is the music we love and these dudes we love. And you know, I can tell you that our our audience is full of people that identify left and right and religious, non-religious, everything that you can sure. you know and they can still get divide along. us. Not just get along, but party and remember, oh, we're all Man. human. We're all bound. We're all destined for the same chunk of dirt. You know, like, yeah, right? One cool yeah. thing about you, your your type of music, and what you've been told us about your stories, your audience has probably demographically followed you. Like you're going to play to people like you. Uh, you probably yes. don't do a whole lot of frat parties with a sheet behind you anymore. Not anymore. But a winery is right there, right down the lane. Yes, and it's funny because there's a song that is very. It can be divisive that uh, I wrote with the Clintons years ago called She's a Chimney. And it's about, uh, a lot of times I will tell the story, the precursor. The story's now a longer bit than the song is. The, right. the bit is like a five-minute bit, and then you sing a three-minute song. But uh, the short and sweet of it is, uh, Keir Dog and I were on the road visiting friends. This is about 2001. We're in Wisconsin. You can still smoke in Wisconsin at this point inside. And we go bowling, and our cocktail waitress is an old gal who's been smoking three, four packs a day. Just old and wrinkly and yellow teeth. And just, but here's the gig not delightful. Like most old women smokers I've met, like have that smoker's laugh, you know, that smoker's hack. But they're always grinning. Like this woman didn't smile. She was just grumpy. And maybe we caught her on an off night, but she just moved slowly. You could tell she's in poor health. Got the landlord from oh. Kingpin. So, dude, of course, dog and I, I love it. Nailed it. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's flow. That's flow in a, in a nutshell. There you go. Uh, well, here's the gig. You know, you get some beers in you, and we order nachos, and there are cigarette ashes on the sour cream. <laughs> so the, the the bit has become a dollop of ashes on the dollop of sour cream. Well, here's the gig. As we're walking out of there, we're like, no one has written that woman a love song ever. So, of course, you know, the, the bit we've turned into this, there's one time we fell in love with the same woman, and it almost broke up the band. And, you know, it's right. all garbage. Um but here's the gig. It's it's divisive because I'm sure people would say, women can smoke. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. of course they can smoke. We're not going to say you can't, but doesn't mean I'm not going to write a song about your yellow teeth, honey. You know, like, <laughs> so guess what? And you can write a song about my screwed up teeth. I don't care. Write your songs. Yep. Say whatever you're going to blog about me or Twitter about me. But I say this because we did that song second at the Bertelsen Winery. And that, you know, you're going into a $20 ticket venue for 200 people sitting in front of you. And it's the whole... Okay, am I going to piss off any wokesters here that you know believe in secondhand smoke? A winery in Seattle, no way. Oh my god, dude, they ate it up, and that was it. They went with us for the for the ride, and so uh, it, you know, like that can be a it was a gamble, but it was also a request. Like I want to play the music people want to hear, and people ask, you know, are, are the Clintons done? No, the Clintons are just taking a break. I don't know how long the break will be, but it's it's not like the Eagles. You're going like, to play at your funeral. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but we all, we all get along because like, uh, we got together not long ago, eh, I guess it was a couple years ago, and went to Colorado for the bass player who's getting married, so we went, like, you can call it a bachelor party, but it was just a bunch of buddies that went to a baseball game and hung out at bars, you know, like, I mean, mm -hmm. so it's like, they're really good brothers of mine, it's just that the other two dudes don't want to play every weekend, and Keir Dog and I do, so El Wencho plays and the Clintons are on a break. By the but way, I'll, shout out to uh, Mount Vernon, Washington, where the Bertle Winery is. I, Mount I, Vernon. I looked it up. Oh, so. well, I was also uh, sober as a judge, sober as a judge, but zero, like I was just a passenger the whole time. And I'll be honest, just, you're tired and you miss your family and 
you know, like I flew in a day early and was bored for a day. So I did a long, long workout. And then, so I'm sitting there sore, like, guys, I'm not an athlete. What am I doing lifting all these weights? <laughs> like, and so you're beating yourself up. <laughs> That's been up. my question about lifting weights my whole life. Uh, well, it's Why? funny because I'm almost to the point where I'm now back to the, you have more energy when you're sore than you did when you were just fat and happy, you know, or fat and unhappy, I should say. Because it's the whole, like, everybody knows you got to get past that three to four month range that three to four month whatever that hump and then oh yeah you're still sore all the time from squats but now you can hike and you're sore but you have way more energy hiking than you did if you just went on a day hike and now you're dead and i don't need to get back to the gym you know i'm real close to that i'm a week or two away from i can feel it maybe a month away you you guys come to me if you ever need to change your physiques into bodybuilding physiques because look at my 230 pound frame of pure 20 percent body fat i look so good <laughs> I was going to say you uh, you you may everybody knows it's a three or four month and then I said well, I thought I was thinking to myself uh, I'm about th- month three cumulative over my whole life maybe <laughs> not not consistently it's fun to joke but when you're sitting shotgun driving to a town in in Washington where you're going to play at a winery where you don't even know what town it is and you're sore and you're questioning every life decision you've ever made yeah that's when you go this is why why do I lift in hotel weight rooms again oh yeah because I'm bored and I miss my family. So was there the the gypsy moment, for lack of a better term? You talk about wanting to be here. Yeah, you, you sure. want to be here. You're a kid from Wyoming. You want to be in Montana. You yep. want to play in Montana, with the occasional stop in a dump like Wisconsin. I'm from Michigan. I get to say that. <laughs> yep. Um, stupid cheese. Anyway, when you <laughs> everybody loves when, cheese. When My you, friends out there, I love them so much. Nobody loves so cheese much. as much as Wisconsinites claim to love cheese. Right? You can't escape it. It's not. And they love their football, dude. It's, they love Green Bay. Yeah. You know what else and they love? I got pictures of a room porn I just shacks. Yeah. They love porn, porn shacks. shacks. Drive any highway in Wisconsin. It's cheese stores and porn shacks everywhere you look. That's and, funny. And one ski resort that's horribly out of place. Well, anyway. the folks I hang out but, with are the highest standard, highest caliber people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not dirty drunks in bars who love greasy rock and roll. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you said you were in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but was there was there that moment where you're like no 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 montana needs to this is it this is it because i say this oh, as yeah. someone who's moved around a ton myself and i constantly have i i have that own you know my own thing we've been my kids have lived in the house we're in now longer than anywhere they've been in their lives my daughter's about to be 14 she's been here five years that's the longest she's ever been in one place so yeah. unintentionally that they were raised as gypsies and i constantly have that thing like about after about three years i'm like okay time to go why i don't know uh, cause yeah. things, something horrible is going to happen. Like the meteor is going to hit right here. I've stood here in one place too long. Was there that moment for you where you're like, no, 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 this is it. This is yeah. home. What's and, co- and now I'm yeah. just going to spider web out from home, but this is it. Yes. And all right. So the first time I drove into Bozeman, it's February of 97. Let's just say that, that, you know, it was either sure. 96 or 97, but here's the gig. I'm like 25 driving, years ago. Yeah, there are literally, yeah, berms of ice up to my hips. It's freezing cold. Um, it had to have been February 97 because my freshman year, quote unquote, the old guy in the dorm who's 21 and we're all 18, Carl, hot Carl, love you, Carl. Um, yeah, Carl had moved back to Bozeman, but he, of course, went to MSU, screwed around, got drunk and high a lot, had to go to a junior college to get his math grades up so he could go back to MSU. <laughs> so that was Carl's story. And if he hears this, he's not going to be insulted by that. That's a story as old as time. I love the man, dude. And when you met Carl at 21, he was the guy drinking wine from a box in his dorm room working on his Algebra 1. (laughs) (laughs) God bless him. Um, So, yeah, here's the gig. I'm going to to meet Carl. 
And as soon as I pull into town, I don't know what it is. It was like as close as a spiritual experience as I've had. And it was just like, I'm home. I know nobody in this town but Carl. It's not like we're super tight. He was always awesome to me. He's very friendly to me. We did develop a good friendship, but it wasn't like we were best friends. It was like, but I'm home. And so I get to Carl's house and, you know, and back then you had to call long distance from your dorm room oh, yeah. to Carl and all that crap. And Dial a one. Him. Yep. So I don't know if we'd even talked. We probably traded messages for a few weeks on on tape recording message machines. I mean, it's super fun to think back, but, uh, you know, I'm starting to lose my voice. So I walk across the street and he literally lived across the street from a little tiny grocery store, gas station with no gas, but a convenience store. There we go. Called Joe's Parkway. It's still there to this day. And I walk into Joe's Parkway and it is literally two thirds of the stores selling beer to college kids. And then there's, you know, coffee, tea, band-aids, whatever the hell you might need. So I literally tell the gal, I've got $3. I'm losing my voice. What tea would you recommend? So the gal behind the register walks up to the tea aisle, grabs a box of tea, opens it up and hands me all these individually wrapped tea bags and goes, drink one of these every half hour, as strong as you can make it, as hot as you can make it. And I guarantee you by morning, you'll have your voice. I'm like, okay, but I've got $3. Like, <laughs> I'm not asked for handouts. You know, like I just, you know, like, cause you know, this is the nineties. You can yeah. buy a box of tea for a buck or whatever. Um, yeah, and so I walked out without having bought tea and a handful of tea bags, like not even a box of tea, dude. Walk across the street. Well, at the time, you know, I didn't like I just avoided drinking. I avoided pot, all of it, because I just didn't want I didn't want to get nailed. At that point, I am playing with a band and I'm underage. So I stopped. I wouldn't take breaks during set break because I didn't want to. How old are you? And then get nailed. So right. I just get up on stage at 9 p.m. and play till 1 a.m. straight and. If the old guys wanted to take a break, the old guys at 37, um, you know, I just tell them, cool, I'm playing solo Dave Matthews songs for the next 20 minutes, come back up whenever. And so they stopped taking breaks too because they're like, these Dave Matthews songs are kind of fun. It's like, yeah, way better than there's a tear in my beer, dude. <laughs> so um, it's a yeah. matter of opinion. Tired it's side. really true. <laughs> and I hate Dave Matthews. Yeah. All right? I can't stand that any of that music. And it's better than a tear in my beer. <laughs> yeah. It is. It actually is. Hank Sr., uh, good storyteller, but tired songs to tired people in tired bars. Well, here's the gig. I wouldn't take breaks, so I always took it easy. Now I'm in Carl's house, and he pours me this, I mean, monster goblet of wine. Now, looking back, it was probably a glass, glass and half of wine, but, you know, like, box of wine, wine. Like, now knowing what I know, like, oh, thanks for the hospitality there, Carl. You saved the good stuff for your, your high-value guests. <laughs> So I'm sitting on his couch. He's got a big open archway into the kitchen. Other buddies come over. They're all smoking weed in the kitchen. I don't care. The whole place smells like weed. I'm starting to get a wine buzz. I'm watching this movie on television called Blue Velvet. In fact, it's VHS. He's, and he's in film school, by the way. So he has all these artsy films that are just dumb as hell to me. They're stupid. They're effing dumb. It's not even worth swearing. They are effing dumb. <laughs> like, I don't even want to drop the F word. That's how dumb they are. Effing dumb. So I'm watching this really weird movie, getting a buzz, and this dude walks in. Remember, it's February. It's freezing. He walks in. He's got, like, Carhartt pants on, but he's wearing flip-flops. He's got no socks on. And he's just got a tie-dye T-shirt. I mean, dude, straight out of, like, 1972, Grateful Dead, hippie, San Francisco, dreadlocks, sits down on the couch next to me, pulls out a one-hitter, and takes a rip. Now, mind you, literally... 11 feet away, you can smell weed in a bong being passed around a kitchen. <laughs> this guy sits down and takes a rip from me. And the first words out of his mouth, we're all connected, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh. man, we're connected. Who's, where are you from? Pot ask philosophy. Me my name. God, I hate pot oh. philosophy so much. Mike, you're going to love this. Doesn't ask me who I am. Doesn't ask me anything. Just where are you from? <laughs> it's like Casper, Wyoming. And he goes, hey, you know a dude from Albin? 
And that'd be like saying, I'm from Seattle. Oh, hey, man, do you know a dude from Bingen? You're like, not do you know Bill Miller from Bingen? Right. Do you know a dude? I was like, I don't know a dude from Alton. Oh, far out. Takes another rip off his little one-hitter. And then he starts talking about trout and streams and eagles and all that. And I'm not joking. Right. And like the whole time I'm sitting there, and mind you, I'm 19, maybe 20. I'm too insecure and shy to engage. Like, oh, dude, this is a character. I need a story out of this. I was like, yeah, man, far out, buddy, far out. All right, see you later. And gets up and walks out. Do you got his number? We got another podcast to do next week. Oh, That'd my be, God. So here's the gig. Awesome. Yeah, I go and into the kitchen. where are we going to find a pothead in Montana? <laughs> yeah, but I go into the kitchen. Send out I, the dogs. I ask Carl. I'm like, dude, a dude just walked in, sat on your couch, smoked weed from a pipe on your couch, and walked out. He's like, didn't come in here? It's like, no. Like, <laughs> I, I, is that normal? He's like, no, that's really abnormal. Anyway, and then he just goes right back smoking weed with his body. I'm like, whoa. And so then. This is home. Yeah, later on in the night, like, Carl comes out to check on me. How you doing, man? How do you like the movie? You're like, oh, dude, this is a weird movie. By this time, I'm full, done with my wine, blitzed. And he's like, by the way, the dude that came in and smoked weed, did, was he wearing no socks? It's like, yeah, he had flip-flops on, no socks. Oh, yeah, it's our buddy Pat. Like, oh, okay, so that just Pat just comes in, smokes weed, and walks out. Thank God he I'm, had no shoes on. And it was that moment that I, I'm moving to Bozeman. I'm moving <laughs> yeah. to Bozeman. Yeah, so it must have been February 98, because fall of 98 is when I moved to Bozeman. So February of 98, yeah, a couple months before my 21st birthday. So I don't suppose the Chamber of Commerce is going to be in touch. They're not. That's at, not a great recruitment. They've never ad. asked me to Vermont. be a part of Why'd their you move promotion. Why'd Montana? Potheads and flip-flops. Yeah, yep. that's the Why'd Bozeman everybody's trying to get back to. That's the one oh, we well. want back, right? Okay, oh, well, dude. Give, give up that dream. Berms of ice up to your hips, and now with global weirding, it's just good luck getting snow. But My anyways, first day yeah, in man. Missoula, when I moved to Missoula, the very first day, the very first afternoon, the very first drive, we're going downtown, and the, we're, we're headed down there, and, and a guy goes by us, Riding about a 1960 10-speed bike, yes, and he was wearing no shoes, <laughs> oh, and he God, was barefoot. playing a ukulele and Walk. riding the bike with no hands. And I'm like, well, I'm in Missoula now. This is no doubt what this town is all about. And it was a bike. It wasn't a unicycle. No, it was a bicycle. It oh, my. A really old bicycle, and he's playing the ukulele. That's, that's talent, actually. I mean, they <laughs> have that kind of balance, and like assuming he was playing any kind of chord structures, yeah. you know, maybe he's just screwing around. But. All right. Yeah. No. Great. Like, why? Yeah. Why that combo? Because like, you're in Missoula, You know man. what I need to do? I need to get my exercise, but I like to strum a little too. When you're, they say keep boss- fill in the blank weird, that's what I they're know. talking about, yeah. is you can see that stuff and yeah. not blink an eye. Yeah, and for for all that it is, you know, because I went to MSU, I have to bleed blue and gold, but I love Missoula. Mm-hmm. And for that exact reason, and even now that Missoula's blown up and become Suburbanville, it still has that element of weird that I love it for that. I love, and all my friends that I made back there are still just as weird. Even my normal friends who got college degrees and quote unquote <laughs> engineering jobs and you know, like yeah. that are teachers and stuff, weird. I love them. Yeah, I uh, I always thought that I could live in Bozeman, Helena, or Missoula. And then when Ingrid and I met, so my wife's name is Ingrid, and it was apparent that we were going, we were gonna like first I just I asked her for a number and asked her out to coffee and then asked her out to dinner. And by the end of that night having dinner, it was like, oh, I'm going to date this girl. And within, I don't know, a month, it was like, yeah, I found my life partner. I mean, it was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It was pretty quick. Now, I also thought, take your time. Don't rush stuff. You don't need to jump into anything dumb. Did she but, feel the same? Um, undoubtedly. She says, that, yeah? here's the thing. She played it cool. She played it cool. But every story she tells, her, my heart was jumping out of my chest. And you're like, you are such a you like you didn't you didn't show me any of those signs. Well, I didn't know if you were just a band guy trying to play me. It's like, dude, give me a break. Well, that's fair, but good. I mean, yeah, the, she's right. The guy that was like, oh, I knew she was the one right away. Like, if 
she feels the same way, that's great. You get married. Otherwise, you're just a stalker. Because oh, she's yeah. like, get away from me, weirdo. Yeah, and, and make no mistake, like all human relationships, there's good, bads. It's, fortunately, we haven't had any uglies. There's been no broken dishes in the kitchen or any of that. You know, but like you make it work. And then after time, you realize, oh, that feeling that goes away, love does become a choice. And then you have to endure. And then now we're in the really fun part where kids still like us and – they wipe their own butts and brush their own teeth and tie their own shoes. and That's so a like, fun window. Oh, man, we're loving it. Right between Ten and nine right now. Can't stand you, and I can take care of myself in the bathroom. Yeah. That's a good... I think we a, have about two to three years left yeah. before those teenage boy years. Two boys. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we're having the boys time of our lives. Boys are a breeze. Wait, you get a t- <laughs> if you had a teenage girl, I'll give you one for perspective sometime. Okay. <laughs> it is a whole different deal. Yeah, boys are easy. It's everybody says that, but it's like oh. children aren't easy. And the way, because I don't have the answer, the way America has set up our living arrangement, you get in your little car with four wheels in your aluminum box, and you go to your little tiny house with just a couple adults and a couple kids, and I go to my little box with a couple adults and a couple kids. Like, like humans are supposed to live in tribes and jungles where there are 250, 300 people, like where grandmas help with 15-year-olds, where 15-year-olds help with 5-year-olds. But like We're supposed to be a tribal species. Whatever we are as humans, to the core of who we are, we are social, we are tribal, we need each other. And yet our living arrangement is, nope, you have to do everything, and I have to do everything. And here's the thing. I'm so American. I don't want to live with my parents or in-laws or God bless Or my, neighbors. Yeah, but you know. my sister or my wife's siblings, I love them all. Nope. Mm-hmm. But man, it would make child rearing easier and life easier, at least with the child thing. So you just wonder, <laughs> girls are exhausting. Yeah, but would they be if we had grandmas and aunts and well, even grandpas and uncles around to like throw footballs and kick soccer balls and just be? Here's John McClellan for Hunter Gatherer Society. You know, you know, yeah. a fourteen year old <laughs> boy. Could we figure out how to do that with houses? I don't know. You know like, yeah, I think about they, that. they call them communes, and they always end up getting blown up by the NSA and burning to the ground <laughs> because they're usually some sort of political or religious <laughs> yeah, ideology that's so, quite anti-liberty. Because at some point, every time humans try this in modern times, at some point, some guy in the in the arrangement has to sleep with all the wives. That's true. In the arrangement, that's true. I don't true. know why, but that it doesn't seem to matter what the ideology is behind it. That always happens, and then it burns to the ground. Yeah, and men get really, really tense if you sleep with their women. Really tense. So it's just kind of yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> oh, I mean, everybody's so just beginning to give the written word. You're you're not going to start a cult. <laughs> Man. Right? If, if, Look but, me in the eye and tell me, John. <laughs> well, that's actually why I came here today. You to the away. big sky bonehead. You I'm out. I don't have the energy. <laughs> you looked right. Boys, I'm I said, you. look me in the eye and tell me you're not going to start a cult. You immediately looked, looked at away. Him. Well, I've been kind of working on one. It's called the rock and roll permaculture cult. No, um... The whole, I could be a Hooterite minus the Hooterite stuff. Like, I could live in a tiny little house where there was a commune where you had a leather worker and we were all kind of just farmers and all kind of skilled tradesmen, sort of, jack of all trades. I could do that without the Hooterite stuff. Like, without the. You just want to do a barn raising. uh, No, but I'm telling you, I could live like 10 feet away from all of my neighbors. If I have my own little tiny house and my own little tiny bedroom, but then our social areas where, you know, you cooked mm-hmm. massive meals where a hundred people ate at a time together. Like, I think I could live that way. Um, but I say that in my imagination, but I'm, I'm pretty indoctrinated <laughs> into the American, <laughs> right. my kitchen, my rules, you know, like, and I'm kind of the cook of our family, even though Ingrid's a way better cook. So, so what, what is it? What does it look like now? Assuming sure. uh, I'm going to go on the assumption because <laughs> you, assumption. you wouldn't de- you wouldn't deny it, but you're not going to start a cult. At least I hope not in the next few months. 
What's uh what's twenty? We're emerging from this madness. Playing music has been a challenge. Getting people together for the kind of things that have been the lifeblood of what you do. Yeah, like that went dark for a minute, and we're kind of coming out the other side of that. What's the next? You know, assuming that you're not raising barns and cooking greens for children, um, what uh, what are the what are the next six months, twelve months, eighteen months? Do you have an idea? Yeah, well, what's that look like? 2022 is uh, you will appreciate the first week of April. I'm getting 52 fruit trees, um, nine varieties of apples. You know, a pair of each, uh, so nine varieties of pears. So I have apples, pears, plums, apricots, cherries, and all edible varieties that make ciders, make sizers, you know, that that flavor meads. Even though, like at this point, guys, I'm five years no drinking. I don't have any intention of going back to drinking. Um, and that's just for my mental health and my physical well-being. Um, but alcohol brings people together. And food brings people together. And farming brings people together. And music brings people together. So to answer your question, like I want to bring... You are starting a cult. Son of a... But I want to live in my own house, and I don't want to be the leader, and I don't want to follow a leader. You're like, right. it's true because like I am, I am at the core of what the definition of anarchy is. Anarchy means no rulers. It doesn't mean no rules. It just means no rulers. And I am an anarchist in philosophy. All right, David. Is there, such, is there such a thing as a cult of one? That sounds like what, uh, <laughs> like I like the idea well, of a cult. Liberty but, only works if you take care of yourself because as soon as you're dependent on other people. Now, no man is an island. There's a reason why we specialize. Like the people that can do music well, there's a reason why we gravitate to them and call them stars. But they're also rock stars or stars when it comes to farming. There are people that are just going to grow food better than others. There are stars in the classroom that are going to teach children how to read and write better than others. So, if we do, like I have this, how do I say this, utopian vision of what could be for humanity if we all did what we were interested in. I mean, genuinely concentrate on that. Like if every human did what they were interested in, assuming it did no harm to people and assuming that you didn't just, you know, make up your own gospel from the Bible and try and sleep with all Not your Not just gathering co-wives. up the wives. Yeah. Um, but like if the person who's truly, whatever, interested in ants, just studied the hell out of ants, I guarantee you we would figure out things with how to incorporate ants into our ecosystems to feed animals and feed chickens and like and the person who's really interested in trigonometry and the person who's really interested in cooking and the person who's really interested in animal husbandry and raising healthy animals to butcher to feed us like if we all did what we were genuinely interested in like not just well i've got a job and daddy done farmed so i'll done farm and you know like right like you guys are some of the lucky few that you do something you enjoy i assume you still like radio this is, might be a touchy subject yeah, we'll see how we feel about. Podcasts. I hear the conviction in your voice yeah. here, Scott. It's not like a you know, it's thirty years, uh, a very certainly, long time. Certainly, but it's weird because I still I have a gig in Cody on Friday, and I've been thinking about getting on stage. But what's wild is even in all of my, how would I say it? Like positively visualize yourself. Where do you want to be? And you know, like I'll hear rock stars in interviews talk. Man, I always saw myself in front of ten thousand people in an arena. And never once, never once, not even in any of my drunkest, highest, most blasted out of my brain, uh, altered states of conscious, have I ever seen myself in front of 10,000 people? Like, I see myself in a forest of fruit and children running around that I don't know who they are and dogs barking and, like, birds singing. It's like, oh, wow, I'm supposed to be an orchardist, an orcharder, an orchard. And doing the orcharding. Yes. And that, that's what happens. We you, can do with that word. 
you you were passionate about music. You still love music. You're still yeah. doing music. This do is music. a new passion that you're diving into, and that's kind of like the you yeah. asked about the radio thing. I still like radio. I still love radio. Oh. The biggest part of radio is all of the other alternatives oh. suck. <laughs> so that's the. I mean, I do. I, I still love it, and there's a reason I've been doing it for thirty years. But boy, when you look at the other people doing the other things, this is better. Yes. And the tough part is just because you, you're good at something and you can make a show flow. And you guys are funny, man. I listen to your guys' morning show just partly you're my friends. I don't think I would listen to the radio if I weren't. But it's the whole, like, you can make, you're entertainers, too. Yes, you like music. I, I still love random texts. Dude, you ever heard of this artist? You got to check mm-hmm. this song out. I mean, they're, they're random when we send them. But I know if you're going to take the time to text me, and you know, Mike and I will still text each other funny memes. We, mm-hmm. Mike and Mac Mondays. And so it's like, if, if you guys take the time to text me, I pay attention. But it's because of the humor. It's because we can entertain. And there are certain humans that are just interested in being entertainers. You know, so if we, if we for those of us who, I do want to entertain people with music. And I know that my personality, I love storytelling. And it is tough to get me to shut up. And I admit that freely. But in the same breath, I really do love to listen. And so an experience like this where you guys are like, just come in and let her rip, Johnny. Yeah. Let the cheat out of the cage. Um, I appreciate that. But in the same breath. It's it's a skill to entertain. There are a lot of people that are way better at playing guitar, and you're just bored to tears watching. <laughs> <You're> just like <laughs> looking then, right at you, Ingve Malmstein. That's yes. Right. Oh wow. Well, that's funny that you can that, name that, a name. Deep cut. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I realize I pulled that one out of. That yeah, you could be making that name up to Go- me. Google it. No. <laughs> all right, we'll talk about <laughs> this a after the one. show. But here's the gig though. Like, but we've Is all that a seen guy that. or did he have a stroke? What was it? Yeah, but like we've seen the comedian that's done the same hour for ten years. And, you know, what's the deal with women? And you're like, oh, my God, you don't really care about, you know, finding any kind of entertainment value. It's just you found a couple things that made people laugh and you just recycle it. And so it's like, I don't know. That has so much to do with why you're here because uh, you find – if people ask me if I'm a people person, I'll say no, I'm not a people person. But I really like interesting people. I like people that are very interesting. We were asked about yeah. doing a uh, a phone interview with a major country artist. And I was like, they're 99% of the time, they're dull. And they don't add to anything. Like, I'm like, do I want to do it? And I always go, ah. But an interesting person with a personality who has something to say and, and is, it will keep you captivated, I love being around people like that. That's a whole different thing. Me too. Me too. And I do love to listen. I think it's why I'm attracted to long-form conversation style, like podcasts or audiobooks where people are talking about what they're interested in. Um, it's it's funny, most of the books I listen to on tape, which now I almost exclusively do because I drive so much, um, are nonfiction, but it's not just nonfiction. You take the screwdriver and you twist in the screw. Like, it's not just how-to books. It's like, how did, like, for instance, a guy named, pretty sure his name is Michael Phillips. Not Michael Phelps, Michael Phillips. He is, and you know, the organic apple grower. And his book, but him talking about his story, how he was kind of raised on a on a farm, and but he didn't like it. He just wanted to play soccer and video games and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, your voice changes, and you're like, man, I really do like being outside. And why do these bugs do this? And then the next thing he knows, he's going down entomology rabbit holes. And, you know, he's learning about pollinators, and now he's learning about polycultural plantings. And so to see his journey into actually what what sparked his interest, and most of us, it, it's it's as puberty hits us, you start to become interested in something naturally. Um, you know, and it's funny. The only reason I guess I bring that up is trying to tell my kids because my, my oldest son is starting to become sort of interested in skiing. Can I ski more? It's like, well, yeah. I mean, it's an expensive hobby, buddy. But yeah. <laughs> like, 
But here's the thing. You will know within a couple years when your voice changes whether you want to ski more or you want to play baseball all the time or you want, you know, like you become interested in something. Um, I'm one of the lucky few that got to chase it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hated sitting down and shutting up and regurgitating in high school. It, it, I had a lot of conflict with teachers and not personality-wise. It's just because I couldn't stop talking to friends. Shocker, I know. But the one-size-fits-all didn't fit me. But you couldn't stop me from reading. Like, I couldn't stop reading books. Like, I couldn't put them down. I couldn't go to sleep. Like, I wanted to learn voraciously. But the the 1850s Prussian model of sit down, shut up, regurgitate these things that are on a chalkboard in front of you, it didn't fit me. So uh, it was funny that I did go to, to Barnes & Noble, and I still have an entire bookshelf of how to write songs and how to write better poetry and how to write, you know, uh, because I couldn't stop reading. When I wanted to learn something, you couldn't get in my way of learning it. So, uh, yeah, I'm one of the lucky few that I got to pursue, for lack of a better word, my passions. You know, and here I am talking to you, yahoos. Where can people find you? www.lwencho.com. E-L-W-E-N-C-H-O. El Wencho. And it's Spanish gibberish for the wench. El Wencho. See. So if you need an, uh, an apple pie, a song sung, or... A barn raised. Find John McClellan. Don't let him near your wife. I'm going to plant some trees. Oh, yeah. He's getting plenty on the wise, man. That's how it always goes. Let me tell you about this little religion I've been starting. (laughs) Click the link for a cult application. (laughs) There is an interview process. Go ahead. Dude, this was the first one of these. I have no idea if it was any good or not. Um, Uh, Anytime you boys want to have a chucklehead blabbermouth in your audience or in your office, you let me know. We appreciate it. I'm your girl. Should, oh, br- next time, I'm bring sure. a pair or something. <laughs> a pair of what? Oh, I have to find the pairs, man. Oh, the orcharding. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's like a pair of footballs. I'm gonna say that somebody. I'm gonna say orcharding in front of somebody, and they're gonna think I'm a closed head injury victim. Like that's but, not a word. I've heard orchardist, but I don't know about orcharding or orcharder or orchard. Duh. I'm not joining that Facebook group. I'm just not. Uh, <laughs> no. It's my cult. Actually, you've inspired me. All right. Well. Yeah. I don't want credit for that. And so nine please. years from now, when the FBI is raiding my <laughs> compound. <laughs> Surrounded by a Here's bunch of... Here's the inspiration for this, and it's me. Yes, a bunch of incriminating evidence. <laughs> He's shooting pears at us. <laughs> Potato gun! John, thank you so much, thank bud. Thank you, friends. Thank you, thank you. And we'll do this again. Smooches, boys.